So, Clay, with the release of another Star Trek series, we now get to enjoy the the annual tradition, or semi-annual, I guess, at this point, depending on how fast these things are coming out, where uh, the critics on Twitter say this show isn't very good. All the Star Trek accounts, everyone's Twitter handle who has, like, Trek or Star or sure. some character name in it is going to say that this is the greatest show that's ever happened. And mm-hmm. that happened today. Uh, because Lower Decks came out. It's the animated show, and we're going to be talking about it right now. Uh, people watching the YouTube video will be a little, confu- a little bit confused. I will make a nice background for this at some point, but not today. Not, <laughs> not today. Um, so now we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, and I, I guess the, the thing about the podcast that I never really considered is that if you're, uh, if you're going to make a podcast, my advice is that you have to niche. You have to, you have to find one thing that mm-hmm. you bring to something, because if you just do, like sports podcast like no one's going to tune into that you have to be like down to a team down to a single player like you have to really like hammer in on what you want to do and um i never thought that our podcast niche we just kind of stumbled into it was uh we would be the i think our role is navigating the response to this stuff which is to time mm. to my earlier point like i just i think of our niche not to pat ourselves on the back but it's like i guess our niche is just like a critical review of this stuff Sure. So it's yeah. not really a fan-ish review. You have to be fans to watch this kind of stuff for 500 episodes, but it's not really a fanish response, and it's not super like a detached from Star Trek response at the same time. But that's the thing that's going through my head, and it's mostly totally unrelated to the actual episode itself. But it's a, uh, it's our, uh, the, the niche, I guess, is um, important, and I think that I'm looking forward to you taking the role of the uh, cynical TV critic here, and I'll, I'll play the uh, Trek fan who just gushes about this, unless you want to be the gushing fan. Do you want to take yeah, that Yeah, I was going to say, we might have to switch roles for this, because I'm, I'm actually kind of uh, <clears throat> I'm actually kind of surprised that, uh, well, first of all, I like that we occupy, what's the, that bullshit thing people were for, the, was it the intellectual dark web? Yes. Where it's like, that we're, we're like the intellectual dark web of Star Trek <laughs> talk. It sounds, it sounds very self-congratulatory, but I just, I... I, I only base that just on like when I see the social response, it's all day of looking mm. at Twitter and it's the critics are going, this is not very good. And then every track account is going, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to a sure. television series. And I, I just feel like I, well, I feel like it mirrors. It's like it's if anything, it's just the state of like the universe at this point. Like mm. politics is this way. Other movies are this way. It's like there's no uh, there's no middle to anything anymore. Well, I'm actually I'm kind of surprised when you told me that. I was a little bit shocked that it wasn't the other way around. <clears throat> In terms of the critical show, response, you mean the critics, yeah, the critics, critics liking. versus the Star Trek people, right. yeah, because yeah. this very much feels like a show that Star Trek diehards would not like, um, and that it, but it does also have that feel where it's like I can see critics disingenuously or genuinely. Uh, praising it because it is taking the, the the franchise in such a different direction, um, regardless of the quality it may or may not have. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm, that's not, I'm not that's not to say that if it was total garbage, they would the critics. I'm thinking the critics would say it was amazing. But yep. like I, I would, my initial response was, oh, this feels like the show where the Star Trek people wouldn't really care for it, but the 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 critics would be like, oh, this is uh, uh, a, a new a new take. It's the, I, uh, the run, to, to, the uh audience yes. score versus the critics' score. Yeah, well, it's uh, the uh, Last Jedi of, uh, of uh, Star Trek shows. 
That's well, what I was expecting. Before we get too carried away, like we've been drinking all day and just started talking about this, let's. Um, That's what happens when we record this at night. <laughs> I have a lot more room to get drunk. <laughs> let's take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode and then we'll come back and we're going to break down the pilot episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, which is called Second Contact. Oh, senior officers are overrated. They're always, like, stressed out and just yelling about directives. It is better down here where the real action is. You really don't care about moving up in rank? Been there. Definitely over it. Whenever you think for yourself, they knock you back down. You know, for someone who claims to hate rank, you certainly bring it up a lot. Yes, I'm very complicated. Thank you. Ooh, you want the tour? Uh, of the the ship? Uh, yes! You don't like giving the tour. True, but I do uh, have a big box of shore leave contraband I need help with. All right, everybody. So, Second Contact is the first episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It aired on August 6, 2020 on CBS All Access. Written by Mike McMahon. I believe it's pronounced McMahon. Directed by uh, Barry J. Kelly. In-universe date is 57436.2, which is 2380. Is that all there is about this one? That is. There's no uh, arcs yet. In this episode, Ensign Tendi has her first day of work on Starfleet's USS Cerritos. Which I mean, needs- sorry. Let's let's be Let's be... Honest here. This is probably the first episode on their way to Riza because right. I'm sure they're going to get to Riza before the end of the season. Where's the time cops? Uh, this is Tendi's first day of work on Starfleet's USS Cerritos, where she meets fellow support crew members Ensigns Mariner, Boimler, and Rutherford. Meanwhile, Boimler is tasked with a special, a secret special assignment, and Rutherford attempts to keep his dating life intact while a sci-fi disaster strikes the ship. Um, it's an animated show. Star Trek's done animated before. But even diehards of Star Trek say the animated series is one of the worst things that's ever happened because it is pretty bad. Uh, So Star Trek's not really doing something new here in terms of what the franchise does, but it is doing something different. I don't know if you want to just do we want to do like a brief thing about where where the Star Trek stands as a franchise. Like I I, I think that what they're trying to do obviously is flood the airwaves with Star Trek. Yeah. Right. I was just going to say they're throwing everything at the wall. That they can just, <laughs> just see what happens. I was when, when we when you were talking about the, at the opening, I was thinking and I was like, man, it took them almost f- let's let's say forty years to do five series, and we've had three brand new ones in the past two years. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, in the two, short maybe tracks, maybe three years. The short tracks too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So and then you've got two more on on deck theoretically at least so you've got just as many series they've done in the entire history of the franchise queued up for the the in the span of about five years yeah as they've done over the past 50 years of the show so it's their they're sending it into warp speed well what, what's your what's your Hello? concept what's your, Hello? <laughs> I'll, I'll put his mic back on when he uh, settles down drink some water i think um i I guess I guess the concern here, right? If, if you're Kurtzman or you're CBS or whoever, and you're looking at this thing, I, I guess your concern is it's a balancing act between whether or not. I guess it's how stringently you have to stick to what Star Trek is, right? Like, mm-hmm. or how you define that in a way that doesn't upset people. So, what, what I'm thinking of, and I think we talked about it in previous podcasts, is. The 90s Star Trek and the 60s original series and the movies and everything have a very consistent tone. It's very consistent. Mm-hmm. Like the shows, if you are unfamiliar and you're just flipping channels, you would think that it's all the same show because it all looks the same. Um, you know, the lighting is done exactly the same. Enterprise is even kind of the same into the 2000s. It all looks like Star Trek. Uh, they're starting to have to change that because they can't bombard us with 
four shows that all look like Discovery or Picard at that time. Sure, sure. And so they're, they're moving into animation and trying to change the tone. But I guess, I guess in terms of what you think about a franchise, it doesn't even have to be Star Trek. It could be anything that's sort of near and dear to your heart. Uh, is there a point where you can stretch a franchise where it's no longer the franchise at that point? Um, or do you think anything yeah. can be done with care enough that it would work within itself? Yeah, well, I think I think we're in a a fairly unique time as far as that stuff goes because if you if you want to get on Star Trek for doing too much too fast, <clears throat> I would just look at. I mean, it's clear what they're doing is they're saying okay, or CBS or whoever owns CBS Paramount. I don't even know if Paramount is still a company. Who yeah, whoever that, owns yeah. Star Trek is saying okay, Star Trek is our Star Wars. Excuse me. It's the same thing they said in 1979 when they made the original movie. <clears throat> and they're looking at what these other big companies with these big franchises are doing. And it's not just, oh, we're putting out Star Wars movies. It never has been just that. There's always, for the past 10, 15 years, since the end of the prequels, they've done cartoons for Star Wars. They've done video games. They've done books. They've done comics. They've done... There's never not... Even though there hadn't been movies since the pre well yeah since the prequels there were no movies there's always been star wars stuff ever since the end of return of the jedi there's always been star wars stuff and with disney they're doing the same thing with marvel sure they're making the big movies but they're also doing uh they've got cartoons marvel cartoons they've got video games dc has the dc movie the only thing they can't get right is the movies but Mm -hmm. they're kind of getting there (laughs) uh but they've got movies They've got basically an entire television station devoted just to DC Comics live-action shows. But on top of that, they've also got Teen Titans Go, and they've got uh, Superhero Girls, and these are all not tonally the same thing. The difference for me is I think the new ground that Star Trek is breaking is all of those different tones, I should say, those other those other franchises don't have a singular tone um, right. that is part of their thing, whereas Star Trek very much traditionally does. Well, comic, so, comics by its nature is sort of pushing tones everywhere. Like it, it's right. it's taking yes, a stock yeah. character that's existed for a thousand years and then sort of doing something different with it. Sure, yeah. And uh, Star Trek has never done that, and so that's what they're doing. And because they're doing it so quickly, like it feels a little bit like they're trying to, I mean, it, it feels a lot like they're trying to figure it out as they're going, Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which I, that's a little bit, if I had to say what my problem with the approach is, it's, it's, it feels like they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks instead of like really uh, crafting a for lack of a better term, vision, that sounds really pretentious, but like there's not like a one unified idea of how they're going to treat Star Trek. Right. Um, so it, it, it just seems like, oh, well, we, we're going to do this. Uh, this didn't really work, um, but the people really like this one character. What if we give him his own show? Sure, why not? What the hell? Well, yeah. How do we get these other people back? I don't know. Does anybody still have Patrick Stewart's phone number? Someone's going to have it. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like it feels a little scattershot right now, yeah. but I think what they're just doing is it's the the birthing process of trying to um, spread spread the the tendrils a little bit further than Star Trek has ever been before. Because, yeah, even even books and stuff, 
the star, comics and books and the games. I don't know. Like I, I haven't played the most recent Star Trek video games, but those things are fucking dry, man. Yeah. Like yeah. the original Star Trek games, the few that there were, they're terrible. No, it's and, um, it's. I, there might be something unique about Star Trek where it's not really um, scalable like that in some mm. ways. And this is like without... Well, I think... I was just going to say, I think it depends on whether or not you think that it is... You can't apply different tone. Because I think if you, th- if you, th- if you think the door is wide open, then I think you probably can scale it. It's just not going to look the same. It's not going to look what, like what you... Or what, or what one might consider a Star Trek. It might not look like that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think if there's, if there's a specific... If you the the more the more closed off your idea of what Star Trek can be is obviously the less it's going to be scalable. Yeah, yeah, it's well, I guess that's a and that's good. to say before before we get sorry I'm, I, I keep talking over you. That is to say, when I say closed off, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way because the other thing about all those other properties that I I mentioned, you don't have to like all of them, like. Just because you like Arrow doesn't mean that Teen Titans Go is going to be your cup of tea. You know right. what I mean? Yep. So I think that's part of the the growing process for this is it's not all Star Trek. Star Trek is for everybody, but not every Star Trek is necessarily for everybody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's maybe – that's what the problem with their incredible consistency in the 90s has led to. I think is that mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's one vision of what Star Trek can be, and you got a little bit of upsetness in in the fan community with J.J. Uh, Abrams's thing, which is kind of mm-hmm. a he J.J. sized the the franchise is just like he did mm-hmm. for Star Wars, and discovering Picard is certainly that way. I think there's a there's a difference between the quality of those things and uh, their sort of the difference of the way that they look that I think is, is sometimes mashed together and, and not in an effective way or like the, the fact that they did something different is not what makes them bad. And in a lot of right. sense, if you think that they're bad, right. uh, but it's a, it's something that gives people who were raised on the nineties and sixties sense of what Star Trek is reason to dislike it. I think. Right. Uh, when and it I mean, out. you know, <clears throat> it's tough for me to, I, I do like the JJ movies more or less. Um, but I think it's really tough to take anyone who like really shits on them that seriously because it brought Star Trek back into the conversation. Say what you will about it, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. The, Star Trek was dead, man. That was a dead franchise. And they managed to revitalize it. It, to, um, it, it was a, a short burst. But since those movies started, it has been back in the conversation in some form ever since. Well, here's the thing about Lower Decks, which I guess we can get into now. So Lower Decks is pushing the envelope somewhat, the animated series is here first, by being an animated comedy show, right? Mm -hmm. I think what it runs into is that before we even get into the quality of like what we thought about this episode, something that I think Lower Decks potentially can run into and that I think is a problem is that all of the new modern shows, Discovery, The Short Checks, Picard, and this one, particularly this Mm -hmm. one, are extremely referential 
to the original material. There's there's sure. no there's no clean break where anyone can come into this and be like, I'm totally new to Star Trek. I'm going to watch one of these shows. Maybe Discovery because Discovery is so bizarre in a lot of ways that you can you can not really relate to anything. But mm-hmm. even then, like watching Discovery was tough for fans because of how it fit into the timeline so it it, it adds that kind of a thing where i think that picard and, and uh, lower decks are completely referential to what came before them but you need that context sure. for any of it to actually make sense and lower uh, decks i think lower decks is i think if you if 80 uh, percent of the joy i got from lower decks was the amount of references that they put into mm. the script. And it's and I don't think like if, if Amy, my wife, were watching that, that would all just be to her mind what we complain about Discovery, which is just nonstop gibberish. You know what I mean? Sure. If you're familiar with it, I think it works okay. <clears throat> but I'm concerned that Lower Decks is going to be really stuck in this referential mode where it has to make jokes about Star Trek, but at the same time it's not satirical of Star Trek. It like is mm-hmm. a Star Trek show, so it's in this uncomfortable place, I think, currently, or at least according to this so, one episode. So my counterpoint to that would be, um, so I watched it maybe one and a half times. I didn't have time to watch it a, a complete full second time. Personally, I liked it more the second time. I actually, I actually enjoyed it uh, a decent amount the first run through. Um, but it moves so fast. Yeah. Like it, it's there's a lot of a lot of talking and, and it moves very quickly and it definitely does it, it does have that kind of Rick and Morty feel to it. Uh, on second watch, a lot more of the jokes landed for me. Um, but spe- to speak to specifically what you're talking about, my girlfriend who does not watch Star Trek, does not really care about Star Trek, was watching it with me the second time I watched it, and as I was getting ready to come and do the show she said let me know when you're going to watch this i'll watch this with you every week Mm -hmm. so she has no frame of reference for anything they said yeah and she still enjoyed it enough where she would like to watch the show interesting yeah because i i just think about conversations towards the end where rutherford and tendy are just talking about like he's like well she didn't want to run a level two diagnostic on the the shuttle bay door or whatever it's like mm-hmm. and I, I was just sitting there going like this it's kind of funny just because i know what they're talking about like i have that built-in right. vocabulary as to what they're doing i just i don't i don't know if you can make an entire series built on that really like i think that and to, well, to th- preface every, just to preface everything, I think for both of us, I think comedy pilots are always going to be way different than whatever the show turns out to be. Sure. Like, there's no comedy series that ever had a pilot that you're like, this thing was cooking right from the start. Um, yeah. It takes except, time to learn the joke. Except cheers. Except cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Best cheers comedy pilot I've ever seen. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, you were, you were going to say something. But just I, I know that comedy shows are more than more likely than other shows to really change from their pilot. I think all shows change from their pilot into what they eventually settle into, but the comedy one um, it seems extreme in a lot of cases, that they mm. don't find their comic voice until a couple episodes into it. Well, it's funny you should bring up the tech that, that conversation between the two of them at the end, because I actually thought they, they handled their techno babble in this show much more like a Star Trek show than the other ones do. Mm-hmm. Because that scene in particular, sure, they're talking about repolarizing the whatever, but it's the po- they're using it as a point of connection between these two characters who they're clearly angling towards like falling in love with each other or whatever. No, sure. So they, they're using it as a character moment instead of just being for the sake of saying 
techno stuff. Yes. And so, <clears throat> like, when I when I see that scene, whatever they're saying just goes right over my... I don't give a shit what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But it, I I'm can appreciate it as the way that they're handling those two characters. And it's obvious... This is not... This is not Hamlet here, obviously, but it's <laughs> it's like I I actually thought they handled that stuff pretty well. But I do. That being said, I do agree. If it's just going to be, let's see how many thousands of references we can jam into an episode, that's going to get tiring pretty quickly. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point about the techno babble, actually, because we, we talked in the previous shows about how techno babble is really just. Um, environmental dialogue filler for yep. star trek mm-hmm. it's it's like you if, if a character has to stop the ship from exploding he says a whole bunch of nonsense but the 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 conflict is he has to stop the ship from exploding like you understand the yeah. very simple thing that he has to do i would agree that this show actually does it the best because it i actually think this is the strongest script out of like whether or not you think it's yeah. funny, it's the strongest standalone script out of any of the new series. I think yeah. because it has Honestly. a clear beginning, middle, and end that everything yeah. makes sense, and it also kicks off a new adventure for people. So it's semi—I don't know if you want to call it serialized, but it certainly ties into where they're going to go after this point. Yeah, the the ironic thing about this show, <clears throat> excuse me, for me anyway, is that though it is the most tonally and stylistically on the surface different show they've ever done, it's actually a pretty standard tng era star trek episode yeah yeah given the way that they've got an a plot and a b plot and they're both pretty clearly defined yeah and then they both end up you know uh running their courses and tying back together at the at the at the end and they they have a 10 forward i don't know if you excuse me if 10 forward doesn't count on this ship specifically is what they call it but (laughs) they have a 10 forward scene um you've got and then you've got a little bit at the end. Which the, br- is, the bridge operates exactly like TNG. The, the first yeah. officer talks to the captain exactly like Riker talks to Picard and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like overall, it's fast-talking jokiness aside, it's a, and it's a pretty standard Star Trek episode. I think, um, I think it looks exceptionally like Star Trek. From the, the opening mm. sequence where they show the space station, that's always the cliche. Uh, sta- it's from Star Trek Three or something, that, that yep. big one uh, that they reuse thousands of times. Um, it all they do the uh, they do the TNG. They put the uh, the title in the top left yeah. corner of yeah. the, the, the screen. The, yeah. It's using the TNG credits, obviously, <coughs> and things like that. But yep. it just on a um, like a cinematography. I don't know if you call it cinematography when it's animated like this, but just the the direction and everything of how stuff looks. It really looks reminiscent of TNG. They're obviously mm-hmm. honing in on that. Uh, the opening sequence is kind of the same thing. It's it's. It's a Voyager opening sequence, except the ship is kind of running away from everything, except of going mm-hmm. it boldly into where the uh, they need to go to find their way home. So, which I did want to. Uh, sorry, I, I do want to talk about that credit sequence in general. But if you've got something, no, no, we, we can talk about it now if you want to, and then we can get into the episode proper. Yeah, I thought the credit sequence was interesting. Um, first of all, I think the ship looks a lot better in the show than it has in the promo material. Yeah. Because uh, in the promo material, it looked like ass. But um looked like a paraglider. I think I'm using that, right? Yeah. Where, the, where, the, where the parachute is tied to the boat. It kind of looked like that, where yes, the, the base yes. is the boat and is pulling the parachute behind it. But um, in action and the way they're shooting it in the show, I think it, it looks a lot better and, and, and reads a lot better as a starship. Um, yeah. Looks like a Federation the, starship more than any does. of the other yeah. series have at this point. Yeah. 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 More than anything we got in Picard, that's for sure. Um. I how do you feel about that opening credits thing? Because 
I get it. Like I get that they're setting the tone, but I I don't feel like this is a super nerdy nitpick. I don't feel like what you see the ship doing is honest to the rest of the sh- the, the crew. Sure. Because the lower decks guys are the ones who are kind of like the knockaround guys. Yep. Everybody else who's higher up and on the bridge staff is extremely serious. Yes. Yeah. Especially the captain. The captain is extremely serious. Yeah. The captain is not. The captain of the Cerritos, as shown in this one episode, is not going to show up to a Borg fight and then just like back out of the room. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Yep. Like it's 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 more representative of the tone of the show than it is the actual ship. Well, that's the. I guess that's something we can actually get into. So. I don't know if it's a problem or how much they need to focus on. I, I would agree that in general, the lower decks characters are sort of the goofball characters that we're going to focus on are going to drive mm-hmm. the tone of the show. I think that the senior officers are more serious, but they're still a stylized version of a serious Star Trek show. So sure, while sure. I don't see them running away, um, they they do have there's a thing at the end where it's like that they're fighting something and the security chief is just saying I've got my phasers locked on the warp core please let me fire on them and then the captain <laughs> yes. says no and he says ah uh, I like that a lot that was good. so I I didn't know if I don't know if they need to stress this dichotomy more where you kind of believe that the the senior officers are very much a Starfleet thing and they're almost not making jokes a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and the lower decks crew are kind of the goofballs that's what I thought was going to happen but they seem to be playing it much more as everyone is kind of silly in this like everyone's a little bit more silly yeah yeah I don't have a problem with that um I think if only the lower decks guys were were heightened it would it would be a little weird it would be strange yeah it would be weird yeah um but yeah I I do think that there is a different they're handling them slightly differently, and uh, the one who the captain does seem a little out of place compared to everybody else. Yeah, she's because she's, the captain's pretty straightforward, a hard ass captain. Uh, she, I guess she's a little bit. I guess they're they amplifying her character just as being um, overreactive or something. Like mm-hmm. she's she's intense sure. to a comical degree. I guess would be so right. She's, yeah. she's kind of a she's taking Picard and kicking it up to eleven, um, and that that's what you end up with. Mm. But would, um, what did you? Uh, Go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna. What did you think of the theme? Uh, it didn't soak in. I wasn't. I wasn't distracted by it. it felt Star Trekky, but I. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a little while for these things to soak in with me. I didn't like it as much as the Picard theme, but I thought it was more yeah. of a Star Trek homage than the Picard theme is. But I don't think it's as quite as interesting a piece of music. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was. It sounded fairly stock. It. Uh, it reminded me of the music from Rogue One actually mm. where it's like yeah i can see if you went to like i'm i would like to apologize to the person who wrote the music for this and also michael giacchino who wrote the music for <laughs> Rogue one when i say this but it sounds like you went to a stock website and typed in space music right and then you get this sort of like big horns orchestral thing and maybe it'll grow on me i don't know but it doesn't have the personality as even discovery has like they, they've um, I was gonna say uh, uh, Enterprise aside, but even Enterprise has a very specific <laughs> theme song, <laughs> right. so you kind of have to count that. Yeah. But like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's it's it it's its own thing as much as all the other shows do. Yeah, um, it actually reminded me of Galaxy Quest. Yeah, I, that sounded like the music they would play for like the Galaxy Quest TV show. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if it's intentional that it can't be too bombastic to distract you from the visuals, which are the main thing carrying sure. that, yeah. and that they don't want it to be. It, it's hard to say because they only listen, I've listened to it twice because I watched the episode right. twice, yeah. but it didn't it didn't it grab be, me. It might be part of the joke too that yeah. it's intentionally kind of generic Star Trek. Yeah, right. Just to match the credits and everything like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back to I thought the I thought the script here was strong. Like ignoring the comedy, mm-hmm. comedy is going to be subject uh, subjective in a way that. I think like story structure is slightly more objective. Uh, there are ways that you can push it, but I think that like they they wrote a script that largely works. I think at telling you what the show is going to be about and mm-hmm. how it's going to actually work, and um, it's very quick. Just because we're now used to watching the Star Trek episodes, which are the forty five minutes, and to get it over in like twenty two is like okay, that was I didn't even have time to really uh, like blink my eyes before this thing was over. But I think that. But it has it has like forty five minutes worth of dialogue in it. I think it, it does. It's definitely it's definitely a podcast. Listen to it two times speed. Yeah. Um, it's like uh, uh, I was I was watching something on YouTube where they were talking about Hamilton the play and how it's very it's notable that 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 it has many more words in it than most plays do because of the fast singing and rapping that they do. Yeah, and they said if you were to take all of the words spoken in in Hamilton. And pace them out at the uh, pace of a normal play. The play would be about six and a half hours long. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it feels kind of like that, where it's like they're talking real fast. They're getting a lot of stuff in. Do you like the the pacing of this? This is the big. What if I were to say that there's a big criticism that I'm seeing of this show? It's that people don't like this kind of fast paced comedy. Um, I I actually watching it. I think it was. I was just sort of. Um, prejudiced against it because i was reading that all day that people were like this is mm. too fast i can't understand it. i didn't think it was actually that fast i i thought it was it's definitely this new modern blend and speed of comedy but i mm-hmm. i i thought it was i thought I, I i didn't have trouble tracking it i guess in some ways like i feel that discovery's techno babble is actually feels faster to me because i can't my brain just right. shuts off because i don't know what it is but here i thought that they were talking fast but i was actually tracking what they were talking about which i thought was kind of an accomplishment and this just seems to be the new pace of how you do animation comedy at this point i'm not sure if that's a um if it's a like improv aspect of it where the mm-hmm. the, the actors are just sort of like freeballing a lot of takes and like going going with it and just like getting more energy out of it and stuff and that they can cut them together like this i don't really know why it comes out that way but this just seems to be the new mode of doing this stuff it seem I uh, from what I've seen it, it seems like that's just the, the like they decided at some point that these co- these animated comedies needed to have like much higher energy, um, and so a lot of the characters there's always one character in all these shows now who talks really fast and is like overly hyper. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, you know Tilly, your your mileage will what's that Tilly Tilly from yeah. Discovery. Yeah, Your mileage I, will vary with that kind of character. I, I think I wonder if it's more I wonder if it's a I wonder if it's a side effect of like I think it's you can kind of compare it antithetical to something like The Simpsons, which is that The Simpsons has a relatively low joke count compared to something like this, right? But its mm-hmm. jokes feel like they have a higher batting average than this. So it's like sure, they're higher sure. quality jokes, but they're fewer of them. And it feels like modern trend is to more just to, they're writing this in the room, obviously. <laughs> so everyone is just sort of shouting out suggestions about what they want to do. And it's the idea is that people will think this is funnier if even if we're hitting a lower average of jokes, we have more jokes in our show. 
So people are there's mm-hmm. more opportunity for people to laugh at it, and I wonder if that's just kind of a new design in the way that they they write these things. It's just a, if we can't have all of these jokes be triple A material, just put a whole bunch of B minuses in there, and some people are going to like some of them, and some aren't. Yeah, it's possible. Um, it is definitely a different um, <clears throat> a different way of doing it, and I do I always wonder how much production has to do with that because uh, I don't know how there's this would be a direct one to one, but. Um, I think producing these shows is a lot quicker and a lot easier than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, and so that probably allows you to to have a little bit more control over pacing and speed and, and how these things are going to play out, especially when it comes to animation. Because if you're doing most of the stuff in the computer, you can control that stuff a lot easier than... Right. It's much you know, easier the, to change the their mouths at this point than it was back in, you know, when it's hand-drawn or whatever, and it's like it's two months of work to change a line of dialogue or something right. like that. Right, exactly. Uh, so yeah, that might have something to do with it. Um, did yeah, you think it was know. funny? It just, did you think the show was funny? I I did actually. I uh, like I said, the first run through, I think there were only a few jokes that I I really enjoyed. I I really like the hot banana thing <laughs> with the the broken <laughs> replicator because I'm I'm very fascinated by replicators and how they work. So having a, a replicator on the fritz was was enjoyable. Yeah, it's not just and usually. Also, usually in Star Trek, it just gives people not what they order. Like they're like, mm-hmm. give me a coffee, and it gives them a tea, and they're like, oh, right, replicator's broken. <laughs> the fact that it was actually it's saying hot, hot banana. Hot banana. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually I also really liked the sequence when uh, the giant spider starts suckling on the guy. <laughs> I I just thought that was re- I really enjoyed that. I thought that was funny. It felt, but it, on that's a very modern humor where you know they they set the joke up as to a character says something absurd like the spiders probably get milked and and the mm-hmm. other character goes like what and then when it's happening the farmer alien runs over and is like don't shoot her we'll spoil the milk you know it's, it's right, that kind of right. it's that kind, it's um that seems like a Family Guy type of modern sensibility but i i like the spider suckling i like the hot banana i like the um i generally like the zombie stuff once the guy starts yeah. once the guy gets bitten and the the, the phasers and this is going on all over the ship i, I like that uh, i thought that was fairly funny as well yeah i thought um like i said the, the uh the second time through as i was watching it i think because they were throwing so much at you the first time maybe not everything i wasn't totally taking it all in but watching it again, I found myself laughing sooner. Yeah, and and at stuff that I, I it just sort of brushed past me the first time. Yeah, um, even minor material like the uh, the chief engineer, I think, who's voiced by Paul Shear, who I think only has one line. Oh, but sure. he has a yeah. he has kind of a funny line about the mission is doing second contact, where it's just doing the paperwork, and he can't he can't pronounce the the name of the aliens. He has to like read right, it off the page, right. and it's like that's that's kind of a cute little joke, and I. I, I think that there's plenty of material that can be drawn from this fact of this ship, the the concept of lower decks. Like I think that I think that for an animated series, the concept of what this is, which is a fairly unimportant ship, that the main cast are fairly unimportant people on the ship. Mm-hmm. I think there's room there to do stuff with that. I think that there's like a whole a whole aspect of like Starfleet bureaucracy and Federation mm-hmm. bureaucracy and like what goes on sure. behind the scenes. Sure. I think that and in, in some ways, despite the goofy, like crazy nature of it, you can in some ways, because it's so linked to this bureaucracy and second uh, contact type stuff, you can actually in some ways get more real world content out of it. I feel like you mm-hmm. can actually uh, use the comedy in a kind of... Um, more satirical sense that I, mm-hmm. I don't think Star Trek itself usually supports because it's not really designed as a satire. 
Yeah, and I think this is the kind of show where you can balance out the over-the-topness of the stuff that they're doing with leaning into the humor of the more mundane stuff that they don't really ever talk about on Star Trek, like yeah. the bureaucracy. Because like I feel like there's plenty of humor, especially modern, the, the way they handle this stuff in modern shows. <clears throat> there's plenty of humor baked into the mundane and, and the, uh, uh, the boring day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you because I, I I feel like I feel like the disconnect on this show is going to be. Are you are you looking for this to be a satire of Star Trek, or is the fact that it is like half Star Trek satire but half just we're going to do a comedy in the Star Trek universe? Is is that gonna is that gonna be a problem? I feel like that's the disconnect for some people because I, yeah, yeah. Th- because like this isn't explicitly like Galaxy Quest where it's every joke is like oh man, hot banana or it's, and every every joke isn't based in stuff that you're familiar with in the Star Trek universe. It's yep. just they're telling a comedy series story in the Star Trek universe. Not everything is tied to uh, transporter jokes or uh, you know. Uh, making uh the the stuff about the the engine room being filled with like yeah. booby traps and shit yeah, yeah. but you know what i mean there's there's <laughs> yeah. i and i think people who are looking for it to be like a straight satire of star trek are going to be disappointed by it yeah I and whether pro- or not and whether or not that's enough to turn you off completely i i would agree and I, I would think that the people who want this to be a straight satire are actually probably the hardcore fans of it and sure i sure this this show can't survive as a straight satire of right. Star Trek, yeah. I don't think. Um, it's compared to Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty is inspired by Back to the Future, the Doc Brown and Marty McFly right. relationship. Right. But they are not yes. in the Back to the Future universe. You know, so Correct. they, yeah. they can they can do whatever they want in that, but all that all that the inspiration is doing is informing the relationship between these two characters mm-hmm. where it's the mentor who in this case is like a foul mouth sort of like crazy person and a young naive guy who is the main character that you're seeing it through. Um, Galaxy Quest is kind of more like that because Galaxy Quest doesn't have the branding of Star Trek so it can't be explicitly referencing Star Trek. It can just make homages to it which I think is actually better for it because I think if there's... I think if there's too much Star Trek content in this, which was my worry at the start, if it's just referencing things and making jokes about, there's a reference a Star Trek fan would know. Why do bullions have blue skin? Who knows? There's a joke about it. Okay, there's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the legs that'll have that Rick and Morty had, for example. I think they have to right. branch it a little bit. You have to add some kind of depth that is, the humor can't only come from the fact that this is Star Trek material. Right, and I think I think that's where they're going, which is what I like about it. Um, because I do think that the characters they're setting up do have enough legitimate drive and uh, arc potential built into them um, that it'll be, I think it'll be able to work on its own while also being a Star Trek comedy. Yeah, I think so. This, I mean, again, it's a pilot. I think the pilot is setting the tone for what this is supposed to be doing. There's a lot mm. of Star Trek references in this. I think it works. That's just, you know, in, in terms of the infection is just a zombie attack uh, mm. eventually, which is more universal than anything that they could say about uh, Star Trek. It's got the um, 
the two main characters who are very uh, foils to each other, very different personalities, where Boimler is, I think it's Boimler is his name, is the more uptight, sort of like wants to move up into the senior command. And then there's mm-hmm. the let loose uh, Mariner who is doesn't want anything to do with command and she has been kicked out of it all the way down. Um, and then you have the other two who are going to sort of fill the blanks there. Um, you know, You know what the best part of this episode was that actually makes it better than a lot of the new Star Trek that we've seen up to this point? The fact that the the two plots tie together because the goop that he gets from the spider ends up solving the problem, <laughs> yeah. which then informs the relationship between the rest of the characters for the last five minutes of the episode and sets the stage for everything moving forward. Yep. That kind of that like that kind of tight storytelling we haven't seen on Star Trek in like <laughs> fifteen years. <laughs> it's it's good. It's like even outside of it being a comedy, it's just well scripted. Yeah, it, it's. Everything makes everything is built upon a structure that's understandable here. Mm-hmm. And once you have your solid structure, you can pepper it with jokes as much as you want. But it's just a um, this this show's got to be more episodic, I would assume, right? It's, it, it feels it's, like it's it, yeah. not going to do anything yeah. crazy. Uh, maybe they'll have a runner about the captain being the mother of Mariner. That seems likely, yeah. Uh, but that's about it. <clears throat> Um, I think that's I think that's great because I mean I think that in of itself is a good uh, I, that's the other thing I thought the characters were really interesting yeah um, I mean they're fairly boilerplate idea characters but the way that they set them up like I thought I really liked Mariner and and uh, and the how she's the the daughter of of the captain and the admiral who's clearly been knocking around on different starships and now she's stuck here so she's got this sort of like been there done that kind of attitude. Um, I like that compared to the uptight guy. I like the the new girl, uh, Tendy. Is Tendi. that her name? Tendy, yeah. And then uh, Ruth- I loved, Rutherford. I loved Rutherford. I thought he was. He he's got potential. potential. He's he's yeah. he's he's <laughs> being a cyborg, and I guess it's I say in this episode it's a Vulcan cyborg implant, so it, right, it, it yeah. uh, settles his emotions or whatever. I, I think there's potential there. It's a, you know, it's it's going to be a heightened example of this. This is not a comparison, but we always complained about Burnham. Burnham's characterization as a human raised on Vulcan is never really addressed. The show is not really right. interested in what that would mean for this character. Uh, here, it's a very heightened effect of what if a human was just sort of implanted with Vulcan technology? What would that? What would comedically? How mm-hmm. would that play out? It just it feels right, like right. they're more aware of in this comedy session of how this is going to work than someone like Burnham would be driven as a dramatic character by it. Yeah, and you know <clears throat> when I hear people compare this to Rick and Morty in a negative way. I don't really get that because if this if this is coming from the pedigree of Rick and Morty, you can um, you can expect these characters to be good characters that actually have uh, affecting character moments along the way. Because mm-hmm. that's the one thing I think people, a lot of people forget about Rick and Morty is it's actually on top of all the silliness, it's a really well written show. Yeah, and yeah. they do a lot of devastating character work on that show <laughs> so if they get like even a quarter of that into this i think it's going to be pretty solid yeah yeah i guess we can wrap it up there did you did you have anything else i mean just my my final thoughts about it is just that it's um i was imp- i don't know if i want to say it was I'm impressed i was prepared to be very disappointed by it and it Same. Did, it yeah, did not sure. really let me down it was totally functional as the first episode of a show. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you know, I, if, you, if you get a Wait, couple laughs it, out of me in a pilot, that's fine. It didn't let you down in that you were disappointed by it? 
or that it didn't let you down in, in that you were not disappointed? I by probably it? just combined things. I was I was expecting to be disappointed, and I was. <laughs> that is very confusing. I was not let down by the. <laughs> I was not let down and disappointed by this. I was uh, it, it, okay. I got you. It, it was it was a perfectly functional episode of a new show. Made me laugh a couple times, and I thought that it was structured well. Everything worked out for it. I don't have any. I don't have any problem with it really. I just I. The humor thing is going to be tough for the series. I think that humor is more subjective than a lot of other things that uh, like a dramatic series can get away with. So what's funny for some people is not going to be funny for everybody, but I sure. I didn't have a I didn't think that this was bad really. Like it it's not a failure of a comedy thing, which is weird to come out of this. I'm not agreeing with the critics take so far. The thing is yeah. the critics have all watched 5 episodes. <laughs> Or four episodes of the mm, show. That's so tough. Far. Yeah. Okay. So they have a more, they have a larger sense of how this is actually going to pan out. So I wonder if that will impact things. But Alan Seppenwall, for instance, called this another disappointment under the helm of Alex Kurtzman, which is fairly wow. fairly incendiary for for him, I think, in terms of that. But we'll we'll see about it. it well, I didn't feel that way through this first one. Yeah. Um, I I I hope they're wrong <laughs> why do you think they would be why do you what do you think that i don't know if you've read any of the reviews probably not i haven't what, i haven't read what, anything no what would you think is the dichotomy there is this going to be one of those Rotten tomatoes things where the the critics score is much lower than the audience score for some reason i think it's possible yeah, yeah. um I, I don't know. Uh, could you like briefly summarize a couple of the problems that they had? Uh, people just say that the humor is too referential to Star Trek. It's too mm-hmm. fast. It doesn't uh, exist comfortably in a place where it, it can exist on its own. Kind of a like it, it's mostly having to do with how referential it is. Like, can the show sure. survive if it didn't have any Star Trek material attached to it? Um, sure. So that's largely it, and then just kind of a whether or not the humor works for you. But those are, those are the main takeaways is how, how can it escape from its Star Trek branding to actually do something mm-hmm. with it? And is this kind of humor something that's going to be sustainable or enjoyable to watch over a course of 10 episodes? That's interesting because I feel like... Picard is at like 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I, I don't know what really is, is really going on. I don't know if this is yeah, the talk, collapse talk of... About, talk about a show that can't fucking stand on its own without <laughs> its referential Star Trek. Jesus Christ. I just feel like they're opposites. Like the audience score yeah. for Picard is low, I feel. But the critic score is high. And this is yeah. just based on one episode. This is the opposite of that. It's very interesting to me. So now what I find interesting is we've talked about that problem with other shows in the past where... Uh, I mean, we've talked about it on Enterprise. We talked about it on, uh, I think we probably talked about it on Discovery and Picard in that if you took away the Star Trek branding, would this show be able to stand on its own or is the branding doing all the work? This show, I think, is different because I don't 100% know if that's fair to say about it because the point of it is that it's a Star Trek comedy. Yeah. So it inherently is built to live and reference inside the world of star trek and i you know i i i know i talked about earlier the difference between it being galaxy quest where all the jokes are referential to the thing and and being something else or riding the line and i feel like i feel like if you're riding the line yeah you're going to have to you are going to be making 
Star Trek branded jokes that don't work in anything else other than Star Trek. Well, what if, what if you what if you <clears throat> galaxy quested this show? You stripped mm-hmm. out all branding of it. Do you think it's still successful in that case? Does it work? Would think, this episode well, work if it was not explicitly Star Trek? I think there'd be like a season and a half on Fox, and then it would end in its third season on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. Shots fired. Well, here's the thing: is as you're saying, is this different, and are the expectations appropriate to be different for this because it's an animated show that, in some mm. ways, feels like it's simply filler to fill time. Filler sounds insulting, but I don't. It's literally filler for them to fill CBS All Access until they can get consistent shows under the Star Trek brand that they sure. they consider to be like the canonical true Star Trek brands, like Picard mm-hmm. and Discovery and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think they can. I think you can do that for this show. So I, I guess to your point, I, I don't hold the references against the show as strongly as I do against Picard, where I feel that right. it's kind of a waste of time for Picard to be so referential to previous Star Trek and to like they can't break free of that shell and tell a new story, where mm-hmm. this one seems designed to totally exist in that world. And that's okay right. with me, I think. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think it's... I think intention is is a big thing you got to think about with this and the intention here is definitely to exist in that world be referential be referential but not deferential i guess is a way to say it um and still tell its own stories and i think i again maybe maybe episodes two three and four are all just klingon batleth jokes Mm -hmm. for 25 minutes i don't know yeah uh or it's i mean if it's if every episode is hot banana for 20 minutes, I'm, I'm happy to keep coming back. Um, but yeah, it's really, I just don't, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what people are looking for if they can watch Discovery and specifically Picard and be so enamored with it that they they can't acknowledge the fact that if you took Star Trek off the, the, the helm, it would just completely collapse under the weight of its shittiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with something like this, it's all of a sudden, it's like a crutch. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it does get away with something by being animated. Like the, the concept of this show is to be referential, really. Mm-hmm. And I can, I'll, I'll say that, but at the same time, if all this turns into is just Star Trek jokes... That's not a show that's going to last sure. for a very long right. time. However, yeah. within the the concept there of like people are going to say it's too much like Rick and Morty, but it needs to adopt some of that Rick and Morty thing of where it just draws in influences from everywhere and it's just like mm-hmm. now we're going to do we're going to make fun of this sort of concept and this doesn't even isn't really even a Star Trek thing, but it's a sci-fi thing that we think is kind of funny and that can work in this world. Uh, I mean, I think I think you also you do have the opportunity if you want to lean more into the Rick and Morty style of, of handling stuff. You've got 50 years worth of tropes and storylines that you can lean into without being, you can do it smartly and, and it can work without really drawing a, sh- a ton of attention to it. Like if they, if they did a, uh, a send up of inner light or something, right. but then at the beginning of the episode, you have somebody make a comment about how this is just like that thing that happened that time on the enterprise. That, yep. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. But um, if you do the Rick and Morty thing where it's like they take the concept and they kind of just like really grind into it, then I think, yeah, you've got a lot of potential there. Yeah. 
they just remake every single episode of all the series just in in a comedic manner. Just I take mean, the plot and sort of strip it away. And seriously, just- if you if you just went into the first the first season of TNG, Deep Space Nine, yeah. and Voyager alone, yeah, you could just. Do like the airplane thing where you just use the same script. It's, it's just, 80 series, a- 80, 80 seasons of uh, of Lower Decks, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's true. I, I'm i interested in this one. Uh, what were the Lower Decks guys doing when that Pandora's box squid ghost came to Deep Space Nine that one time, you know? <laughs> oh, the uh, the ghost candles that these guys can have sex with. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. The- <laughs> did you like did you like the uh I, f- I feel like this might be a, a dividing line joke. Did you like the um uh the holodeck sequence? I liked the um I liked the 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 button joke which was this is a very yeah. detailed program. I thought that that was <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um Yeah. I'm sure they're going to work the holodeck into this. There's no way that you can't. I know oh, we've yeah, already seen yeah. the clip of some janitors responsible for cleaning the holodeck, which we all know what that <laughs> means. Um but yeah, it's, it's. I don't think it would be. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that I'm sort of concerned about. Really, we'll see how these first four episodes go to see where the critics came yeah. down on it. But it's. Uh, it'll be. It'll be fascinating to see. I. I'll be honest. I was not expecting to. Go to bat for this as hard as I have mm. tonight. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm not saying like I, I felt the need to or anything, but I just I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah. That's not to say it's perfect or anything, because it's like you said, it's the pilot, it's serviceable. Um, but I think I think there's definitely potential there for a really fun show. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll call it a day there. Thank you, patrons, for supporting the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening, especially the uh, patrons for supporting us at patreon.com slash thepenskefile. If you want to support the show, you can go there, patreon.com slash thepenskefile. For a couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, like extra podcasts, extra videos, extra polls that you can vote on to decide what we cover. Oh, that good we didn't stuff. even talk about we didn't even talk about the crotchety old cat doctor. Yeah, the, who's clearly Pulaski. I think. It's, yeah. yeah, she's designed yeah. as uh, Pulaski. Um, the, it's another good. I I laughed at the the heart thing that she's like. There's no yes. time for anesthesia. Just pump his heart. Um, it's, it's it's good fun. Yeah, and as always, special thank you to uh, Captain Tier supporters. So an extra, extra special thanks go to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Cardinal Doomsday. Let me get this out here. Joint Mango, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Matt Ross, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Chollock, Grin Santo, Matt Cutler, Dwayne Hackett, Sean, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, David Beardmore, Darth Moss, HH28, Matt Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Poindexter G, Nick Sergi, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Sanchuan, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, Woodrow, Rune Vendler, and William Scheisler and Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much. Hope you all enjoyed Lower Decks. And if not, leave your comments on the video below. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. I'm more interested in this than I am to see what happens in Discovery. Season, season three, really. I know that you're very yeah. strongly interested in what happens in Discovery, but I think I'm, by the I'm, time we see the first episode of season three of Discovery, we're going to know exactly what's going right. to go. What's no, that's, that's the thing. I'm really interested to see the first episode of Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> this I'm looking forward to the whole season. Discovery, I feel like one or two in, we're going to be like, okay, yeah, all right, back to the same old tricks here. Back to it. All right, uh, anything you want to say, Clay? Before we go, uh, we got Rotten Horror Picture Show. We just had an episode come out on the Return of the Living Dead, which is a great '80s horror comedy zombie movie. And f- uh, ironically enough, the next the next episode you hear 
of this because I think we we held it back, right? Because we were doing lower decks. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. For, uh, sorry for enterprise. You're talking about? Y- yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you will hear me fumble over what the next badass is because at that point when we recorded it, that will have not come out. But I think <laughs> I think it will have come out by the time that episode comes. Anyway, the next episodes of uh, Badass, which will be coming out next, are Worry Men and Sideshow because I have it pulled up this time and I'm ready. There we go. Guess so I can tell you that. exactly what the episodes are. They're pretty good. They're good episodes. One of them is about... Uh, well, one of the, it's one good episode. One of them is uh, Killer Croc ends up hanging out with some really kindly um, freak show people who <laughs> have started their own life in the woods. <laughs> yeah. And the other one is a questionable Mad Hatter story where he uh, he starts um, controlling people by creating little South American style worrymen dolls that mm-hmm. he sells to rich white people who come to <laughs> South America. So it's it's an, it's interesting episodes. That's it. Thank you very much, guys. So, just for uh, people that they know, the uh, start we'll be covering lower decks at least for this first season until we decide that it's not a series that can support it. We'll cover one lower decks episode with a podcast. So, for the next ten weeks, it'll be one Enterprise a week on Tuesday, and then on Friday, lower decks episode will come out. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to make a prediction, which I'll, I'll be happy to backtrack when the time comes. Um, I think this show has the potential to be wit- written well enough that we can talk about an episode like it's an episode. Yeah. I, I wonder. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Just, I was just going to say, because I think, like I said, it's a it was a pretty strongly written Star Trek episode, jokes aside. Yeah. So I think there's plenty of stuff we'll be able to talk to uh, talk about. I hope there is. You know, yeah. if by episode four there's not, then I'll be well, happy the, the, to the sci-fi pretend plots I never here, said that. The sci-fi plots here felt like they weren't really the focus of the episode. It's just kind of the action that's going on. Sure, like it's, sure. and, and I imagine that's because it's the pilot where you you don't mm. really need you you don't know the characters well enough to like dive into a story that you're going to focus on. But I, I would yeah. imagine that they will. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't say slow it down, but they will probably turn the story into more of a priority as to where the comedy comes from. That's what I would assume has to happen yeah, when you're writing so. these things. So we'll see. We'll see. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Check out all the other shows at thepenskefile.com, thepenskefile.com, and that's about it. We'll be back with Carbon Creek comes out on Tuesday. So that's the next Enterprise episode, and then we'll be back with the next Lower Decks episode on Friday after that. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you later.